Mary, what we have everyone do the start of a new episode of One Hand Wonders of the World with a guest. Every on single it. guest we have on the show, we make them do this thing. Uh, with special exceptions. But yes, every single guest we have on the show, we make them say the episode number. Can you do it? Hi, guys. Welcome to episode 16. Oh, that was good. That was good. Can you, can you give us like a couple takes to work with? I was trying to go for like Paris Hilton baby voice, but it's hard. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah nice. Yeah. Hi, guys. Welcome to episode 16. It's going to be super cute. <laughs> great, great, great. Can you give us like just one big giant episode 16? Yeah, it's all we need. Just episode 16 all the way to the stars. Which are blind. <laughs> Episode 16. Episode 16. Snake Eyes. Oh my God, will you quit? It's one hit wonders of the world. And we're back. And we're, we've got guests. Do you want to say who we are before you introduce the guest? Okay. We are Maxton Stenstrom and Trevor Ickrath. We're here. It's One Hit Wonders of the World. It's episode 16. We're on a regular schedule. We have a guest today. The first guest who will be joining us as somebody who reached out to us on social media. Mary Schneider is here today. Hello. My old high school pal. Welcome to the program, Mary. Pleasure to be here. Trevor, you cannot tell me that you do not know this person and that you are not cool with them because it's your high school friend. Huzzah! That's true. It feels very much like I'm on that old like game show slash reality show where they would like find somebody who was like contemplating suicide and then reach out to people from their past to like come <laughs> on and like talk to them and be like, don't do it. What was that show called? I don't think I caught that one. Intervention? This is your life. It was called This Is Your Life. Can't remember what channel it was on. It was a very old program. Well, Trevor, it's an honor to be a, the status that I would be able to talk you down. I wish you would step back from that ledge, my friend. It's great to have you on the show, Mary. You're like probably the one person that I can think of that I went to high school with that I wouldn't mind having on one of my podcasts. <laughs> or admitting that you do podcasts too. Yeah, we'd even go that far with it, sure. Listen, I am a loyal listener of Trevor's podcasts. Big Trev head, Mary. Fair to say, big Trev head? Oh yeah, all the way since Mock Trial. Mock Trial, we came right home! Mock Wow. Oh my gosh. That's a fucking blast from the past. Let's keep going. Let's let's move forward. All right. Much is made of separating the artist from the art. Tonight we are going to try and separate the artist from the heiress. It's time for the Paris Hilton episode. It's time to talk about Stars Are Blind and uh, where we first heard Stars Are Blind. And I want to start with the guest who suggested this episode on Twitter, Mary. Well, I'll tell you exactly where I was, Maxton. I was in eighth grade. <laughs> I was in eighth grade when it came out and I was really intrigued by it. I thought, is this the real Paris? Is this a Paris unlike we have seen before mm. is this the deep paris sure that i you know don't have to be 
embarrassed to be interested in. I was fascinated by her. Probably knew her primarily from uh, uh, from the, what is it called? The what Simple was the Life. Reality show? The Simple Life. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say The Sweet Life with Zach and Cody, <laughs> no. but that's the <laughs> thing that she wasn't in. She was known publicly for The Simple Life, where, you know, she was known for acting very ditzy uh, and clueless. That was a show about her and fellow very rich person, Nicole Richie. Could she have picked a better last name? Sure. It's quite <laughs> ironic. Uh, staying with like a middle class, like farming family or something. In like, the Ozarks. Yeah. 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 It was in Arkansas. Uh, and they spent five weeks without any money and like having to do work. Oh, work. And that's, <laughs> and, and that's how she was primarily known. And I was always vaguely interested in her, but it was sort of an extension of the camps of whether or not you were a Hillary Duff fan. If you were a Hillary Duff fan, oh. probably you were a Paris Hilton fan. What was the correlation there? I think it was very much of like femininity okay. okay, and expressing yourself in a very girly way. And I, of course, was not like the other girls. <laughs> oh, so it was like a secret for you. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, I enjoyed Hilary Duff's music, and I was interested in Paris Hilton. What was Hilary Duff's big song? Uh, she had So Yesterday, she had Come Clean. Those were the big ones I remember. In in eighth grade, it was very much an association of, it was, it was binary. You were a Hilary huh. Duff person, or you weren't. You found joy in watching The Simple Life, or you watched it sort of in an interested way, in a repressed Catholic bisexual way. Uh, <laughs> and that was the camp I fell into. And then, of course, I don't know if you guys remember this, but the same year this song came out, Pink's song Stupid Girls came out where she explicitly mm -hmm. made fun of Paris Hilton. Ooh, beef. It was a bit of a pot shot too. Kind of a low moment for Pink. I already feel like I know so much less about Paris Hilton than you guys do. <laughs> Mary, take us to the scene in your life when Stars Are Blind is dropping, when people are hearing it for the first time. Were you surprised as a fan of The Simple Life? For me, uh, I felt it was the beginning of my appreciation for her. I don't think that the song was taken seriously. I don't think it was appreciated hmm. too much at the time. It was played a lot, but I don't know. I, I don't remember a lot of reaction from it, but I just sort of tucked it away to my pocket. I kind of enjoyed the song. I remember mm -hmm. it. The chorus mm -hmm. only, the the verses yeah. <laughs> get lost in the ether. Which is a suicide. Yeah, the suicide bit. That suicide line throws me every time. <laughs> yeah. Am I alone on that? I, I wonder if it sounded better in Spanish. Uh, it's so interesting that in the middle of this like very bubbly, like reggae-inflected pop tune, Paris Hilton just abruptly drops a reference to the concept of killing yourself. It's like, <laughs> read the room, dude. Like, we don't want to be thinking about that right now. Yeah. So I think at the time, I thought it was underappreciated and nobody saw the real Paris. Mm. And I think that belief has stayed with me in a very quiet way to this day. Trevor, before I told you we were doing Stars Are Blind, you had independently begun listening to it just of your own volition because it was kind of stuck in your head. Is that right? No, I have since remembered why I checked it out. And that's because Pitchfork Media 
uh, reviewed her self-titled 2006 album oh my as a God. Sunday review. You gave it like a five, right? 5.2 on Pitchfork. That's why I was listening to it earlier this year. I remember thinking when it came out, huh, this is a pretty decent, okay pop song. Like, And I didn't even like pop songs that much as a 16-year-old boy. You know, I wasn't here for like Paris Hilton, the musician. Where did this hit you? Where did this meet you? Where did you find it? I'm imagining something similar to Mary's scenario here, where it was sort of like strictly in curiosity land for you. Yeah, I mean, I had known about Paris Hilton from the, I keep saying, I keep- Simple life? Sweet life. Keep Zach simple and life. Cody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember, I knew Paris Hilton from the simple life with Zach and Cody. That was about it. I knew that she was supposed to be, you know, like all the tabloids and stuff were playing up how stupid she was. Right. But I think if you watched that show, it was pretty obvious that she was also playing it up to a degree. Mm -hmm. Like I wasn't 100% sure where I'd come down on like, how smart or dumb I think Paris Hilton is, but like definitely not as dumb as she is represented as being on that show. She talks a lot in her recently released documentary, her YouTube documentary, uh, This Is Paris, about how she's constantly in character. And I definitely think she was playing a character on that show. But I heard the song, I thought it was pretty decent. Now that I'm thinking about it, I think I might've actually bought it from iTunes and mm -hmm. stuck oh, it on wow. my iPod at the time. Yeah. I. Don't remember liking it that much, but I do have a distinct memory of downloading huh. it. Totally forgot it existed for probably like 15 years until that Pitchfork review. But then I popped it on. I was like, huh, this is still a groovy little... Wait, did she just say suicide? That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I would say I am a fan of this song. More so than I am a fan of Paris Hilton's other like public efforts. You're more of a fan of this song than you are Paris Hilton. Sure, yeah. I had never heard of this uh until mary decided to mention me on twitter which i will mention happened in 2019 and it took me an entire calendar year to apply <laughs> to the message but i did i posted a tweet and i was like oh my god we can do a paris hilton episode it was not a thing that I knew that Paris Hilton had a music recording career. This was new information to 24-year-old Maxton Stenstrom. All right, so I have two questions then. Please, go ahead. In what context did you know about Paris Hilton? Like, when I would have said Paris Hilton to you, what would you have thought of? I knew about Paris Hilton because of, like, South Park. And I knew about Paris Hilton because of SNL and, and people making fun of Paris Hilton. I got in on the joke because because I wanted to laugh with people. Let me ask you then, when you learned that Paris Hilton did have a top 40 charting hit single, what was your immediate response? I can't believe we can do an episode of One Hit Wonders in the World on Paris Hilton. It's exciting. <laughs> it's an exciting prospect. And then you listen to the song, I presume. Then I listened to the song and I was shocked at how decent it was. Right? Yeah, and how listenable and enjoyable and, dare I say it, catchy it is. Oh, yeah. Strap in. I think it's going to be a long one, folks. <laughs> Let's uh, take it back to uh, New York City. And Kathy Hilton and Rick Hilton give birth to a young Paris Hilton, their first daughter. What year was this? 1981. She was the oldest of four children. Her paternal great-grandfather was Conrad Hilton, who founded the Hilton Hotels. She was raised in the Catholic faith. She moved frequently in her youth, uh, living in a suite in the Waldorf Astoria Hotel in Manhattan, Beverly Hills, the Hamptons. 
And her sister Nikki once described her as very much a tomboy who dreamed about becoming a veterinarian. This and is as a child. She was friends with actress Bijou Phillips and socialites Ivanka Trump, Nicole Richie, and Kim Kardashian. So her mother was also a close friend of Michael. Will you Jackson, stop? With Hilton remarking in an interview, I grew up around Michael, and anytime he'd have a music video or a concert, he would always invite my family. Now, what did you what did you want to say? I don't even remember anymore, man. You just kept going. I read I read one bullet. It's not just one <laughs> bullet. Like, how many things did you want to jump in there and talk about? I don't know, man. I just want to interrupt you. So she grew up in Los Angeles around all of her many, many rich friends, and she finished elementary school in 1995. Then, in 1996, Hilton and her family left California for the East Coast. At age 15, she attended the Professional Children's School, a nonprofit college preparatory school for working child actors and dancers, before being sent to the Provo Canyon School, a therapeutic boarding school for, quote-unquote, emotionally troubled teens at age 16. Right. This was a big part of the documentary that all three of us watched in preparation for this episode. And, like, obviously see something I had no idea about. She was in and out of these like camps and schools for troubled girls just because she was like rebelling so hard when she was a teenager, right? And her parents had the money to do shit like that. Yeah, but apparently she really resisted. And there are all these stories in that doc about her like convincing other kids to like run away with her and they would escape from the compounds and then they would get caught and then like physically beaten yeah they kept all the kids really drugged up eventually she like found out a way to stop taking the pills they were giving her and once they found out she wasn't taking them they threw her in solitary confinement like naked for like 20 hours or something she said what i was thinking in the documentary literally which is quote unquote it was like something out of one flew over the cuckoo's nest and she only got out of that place i remember her saying because she like threatened her parents like i'm gonna turn 18 soon and if you guys don't let me out of here right now i am going to write like the craziest book you've ever read i'm gonna write the craziest tell-all and that worked and they got her released the internal dynamics of being in a family of you know debutantes you know what yeah. i mean celebutantes mm -hmm. couldn't have been easy there's so so many things that you and i associate with like a normal life that people in that social class like just don't get to experience mm -hmm. right i had a hard time like figuring out how much exactly i like am sympathetic to that same it is very much like rich people problems and like sure you know you're in this like social prison of your own fame and celebrity but there are like people out there dealing with like some real worse stuff than just these like existential horrors to quote the sia album uh some people have real problems <laughs> yeah but i could also see how this would really negatively impact a person the repression and the just total lack of communication in the family really affected her and i also think the drive to do absolutely anything to not have to rely on her parents yeah, is why, you know, she was on TV and why we have this song. It was just like any avenue. That documentary is 
bleak as fuck, by the Ooh, way. Yes. It is very bleak. Super depressing. Like 99% of the time you spend with Paris Hilton in that documentary, she is just like dead inside and talking about how haunted she is yeah. and like how rough her life is. And you really do buy like what a prison that her inheritance has created for her. After that really hellish nightmare experience at uh, Provo Canyon School, she attended Dwight School for a couple months before dropping out and then later earning a GED. But she went on to start modeling as a child at charity events. She signed with uh, Donald Trump's modeling agency T-Management at age 19. She soon posed alongside her sister Nikki for David LaChapelle in a shoot that appeared in the September 2000 issue of Vanity Fair. And as a result of the shoot, her workload as a model quickly increased, and by early 2001, she had become one of the biggest stars on and off the catwalk at New York Fashion Week. In addition to modeling, she was also venturing into screen acting, playing an ill-fated character in an independent teen thriller, Sweetie Pie, and filming a cameo appearance as herself in Ben Stiller's Zoolander. Amid her growing public profile, businessman George J. Maloof Jr., paid Paris to wear a dress made from $1 million in poker chips to attend the Palms Casino Resort opening in Las Vegas in November 2001. Sounds cold. Shortly after 9-11, we, we were doing stuff like this, I guess. <laughs> At any rate, it marked the first of numerous offers for Hilton to show up in nightclubs for promotions. Now that we've gotten through the horrible, traumatic childhood and we understand what drives Paris Hilton, let's talk about what went right. Ba -ba -ba -ba. Hilton was always the subject of media attention due to her excessive and uninhibited jet-set lifestyle, but the period between 2003 and 2009 is widely agreed to be her heyday. Throughout those six years, Paris Hilton's ubiquitous media presence fed the then-booming online gossip industry and contributed to her it-girl status. Right, and throughout her life, Hilton's personal life, and especially her extensive list of relationships and romantic associations with other high-profile figures, has drawn a large amount of media attention and public disapproval. Like in 2000, for instance, the then 19-year-old drew attention from tabloids when she and Leonardo DiCaprio were seen together on the New York City late-night circuit. That led to one of her first magazine profiles with Vanity Fair, in which she denied that she and Leo were involved. According to Vice, the New York Post went from writing about her nine times between 1999 and 2000 to publishing 17 stories about her in 2001. I wish it would tell me how many of those were before or after 9-11. The newspaper once wrote, the most outrageous New York City-based heiress is hotel darling Paris Hilton, 19, a part-time model with a tendency to flash her thong. Who, who among us has not flashed a little thong here and there, though? That was the era of a very low gene, okay? <laughs> that's, true, that's true. By 2001, though, she had developed a reputation as a socialite and was hailed as New York's leading it girl whose fame was beginning to, quote, extend beyond the New York tabloids. That year, she dated poker player Rick Salomon, with whom she filled her, I'll go ahead and call it, infamous sex tape. It began circulating online in the second week of November 2003, where it was widely commented on by the media less than a month before her new show The Simple Life was set to premiere. When she started to uh, publicly state that she had been out of it and didn't know what she was doing during the tape of the video and did not approve of its public release, 
Rick Solomon sued Paris for defamation. Ooh. Yeah, and also filed a lawsuit against the company that distributed the tape and against the Hilton family, whom he accused of tarnishing his reputation by suggesting that he had exploited Hilton. So real, real slimy guy. A real scumbag. Yeah. I wish I had done the research to see if he was born into wealth as well, because these are very Trumpian lawyer tactics, are they not? I'm assuming he made his money playing poker, which is an interesting (laughs) way to do it. Hilton then countersued him over the release of the tape, and they eventually settled out of court in July 2005. According to the reports, Hilton was awarded as much as $400,000 and planned to donate a percentage to charity. Nice! Although it doesn't say in your notes if she ever followed through on that. However, in 2013, she did make a claim that she never made money off of her sex tape. She said, I never made a dollar. I make enough money in nice ways. My fragrance line makes enough. I don't need to worry about that. It's good for her, making money off fragrances. The three-minute clip, despite the settlement and everything, it continued to circulate online. At the time, she publicly expressed shame that it was continuing to go around. And the whole scandal led Entertainment Weekly to write that, get ready for this, I hope you're sitting down, that we in the media have become parasites. Who got paid for that? Let's talk about uh, The Simple Life with Zach and Cody. In The Simple Life, her plus Nicole Richie lived for a month, just a month, with a family in the rural community of Altus, Arkansas. The series premiered on December 2nd, 2003, about a month after the release of the sex tape. Its first episode attracted a whopping 13 million viewers, increasing Fox's adult 18 to 49 rating by 79%. The high viewership was attributed to the exposure Paris received from the sex tape. And she quickly became known for her on-screen dumb blonde persona. It definitely feels like we would never get such timeless classics as, say, Jersey Shore if it hadn't been for The Simple Life paving the way. Oh, yeah. I think that she's probably America's first run-in with the concept of being famous for being famous. Yeah, I would agree. What I'm trying to say is Paris Hilton in 2003 is a groundbreaker. She is paving the way for how people would go on to get famous for many years to come uh, without even knowing it. She was also able to parlay her newfound fame into continued movie roles, a lifestyle brand, a jewelry line, a purse collection, and an autobiography co-written by Merle Ginsburg, uh, Confessions of an Heiress, a tongue in chic peek behind the pose, which included color photos and advice on life as an heiress. For all the heiresses out there that might feel a little lost. That book reached uh, number seven on the New York Times bestsellers list. Meanwhile, in the summer of 2004, Rick Salomon commercially released their sex tape, now dubbed One Night in Paris through porn distributor Red Light District Videos. The video opened with a dedication that states, in memory of 9-11-01, we will never forget. Oh my God, I did not know that. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think I knew that either. That's extremely traumatizing news. (laughs) Do you think there was anything American about the concept of like being famous for being famous, which led us to gravitate towards Paris Hilton in a very patriotic way post 9-11. Oh, I like it. You think Paris Hilton could have been possible in a world in which 9-11 never happened? 
obviously celebrity obsession was nothing new coming into 2001 but i think after 9-11 there was a whole new level that Paris Hilton was basically on the vanguard of, like people paying hundreds of thousands of dollars for a picture of you, people knowing your every move, what you ate for lunch before the advent of social media. Yeah, the documentary was very clear about Paris Hilton being the first celebrity that received this kind of attention from the paparazzi. And yet they went through like phases where they were paying like several millions of dollars for Paris Hilton photos. So you could like become rich overnight just by taking a picture of Paris Hilton. Great world star hip hop style fight scenes in that documentary featuring paparazzi. Mary, what do you think? Are the 9-11 terrorist attacks directly responsible for Paris Hilton (laughs) being famous? Really good question. I think that the nationalism that led to the feeling of being smug just for being a normal American may have contributed to that. Mm, I like it. Oh, sure. Being like, I'm a red-blooded, hard-working yeah. American. Who's this little girl doing this? And just like basically having a rich punching bag. Sure. That is how I came to understand Paris Hilton before I truly understood her. I knew her as the butt of the joke the rich punching bag. Do you think that her recording career was an escape or a kind of like, you know, uh, what's the word for when you're like putting stuff through art and it like comes out and it's all crazy. Uh, like a cathartic experience. <laughs> yes. For her? Yes. Um, I don't know. It's hard to say about that. I think if I were to guess, I would say that mainly she made an album because at this point she seemed to be in a mode where she just kind of wanted to try everything and she had enough money where everything was available for her to try. Yeah, I think it was a natural continuation of her exploration into different areas of independence and success and attention. I do wonder what the experience was like for her, though, because I think it might be telling that we never got a follow up to that one album. Which, like, I don't know if I want to talk about it here or after we talk about the album a little more, but I think it's kind of, like, a little disappointing and almost kind of a shame. In the documentary, Paris Hilton talks a lot about feeling imprisoned by her fame and, like, not having a lot of direction and, like, not really understanding who she is as a person. Mm -hmm. And I could have seen, like, an alternate way in which all this played out in which she really took to songwriting and used it as like an artistic tool to like figure out who she was and like use it as a healthy channel through which she could express her emotions. And it's almost a little tragic, I think, that that didn't seem to happen, that we got this one-off thing and that like songwriting maybe wasn't the cathartic release that... Mm -hmm would have drawn her deeper into it. She does seem to find some joy in DJing now, right? Yes, that that seems to be her big thing. There were some intense DJ scenes in that documentary too. Like that scene where, was that her and her fiance were fighting? Like One of her many fiances, yeah. Yeah, like two or three minutes before she was set to go on at that huge festival, Tomorrowland. Yeah. And she was like in tears, like yelling at him to go away. And I can't believe you're doing this to me right now. And then she just goes out on the stage, like 
literally a minute later and does her set. Which I think the effect of that is twofold because here's the interesting thing about the way this documentary is edited. They leave out the worst shit that the guy does to like get Paris upset until it's playing over footage of her DJing. Mm-hmm. which is so strange but dude is being a douche he needs to leave harris alone pre-show jitters is a real thing he was being very careless with her dj equipment for this major thing that she cared so much yeah about. he like dropped her laptop or that something. was very fucking Not stupid cool. that would probably make me very upset if i was about to go yeah. dj and someone just dropped my laptop i think we're getting ahead of ourselves though let's talk about let's go back to the beginning of her music right, career. Right, right. let's talk about how it started she actually first announced plans to record an album in 2003 during the production of The Simple Life. And then in June 2004, she went ahead and established her own record label, Eris Records, on which she planned to release the album. Right, and allegedly at first, uh, according to her, at first Warner Brothers wanted her to do a rock album, so she covered such classic hits as Heart of Glass by Blondie, Betty Davis Eyes by Kim Carnes, a lot of pop rock music for the initial stages of the project, it sounds like. Reminded me about how around that time, Britney Spears released Crossroads, and she did this cover of I Love Rock and Roll that was actually pretty popular at the time. Around that time, she was pitched the song Screwed, written by Cara Diogardi and Greg Wells. She began talking about the song in many interviews, saying it would be the first single from the album. And now, Mary, here is why I think it's interesting that you bring up Hillary Duff and Paris Hilton having, like, aligned fan bases. Yeah, I didn't see this coming. That same summer, Haley Duff, mm. sister of Disney superstar Hillary Duff, said in an interview that Screwed was actually intended to be recorded by her and would be the first single from her debut album. Who saw that coming? I did not know that. Haley Duff announced that she was attempting to block Paris from releasing the track. She said, Paris has talked to the people who wrote the song, and I think it's all under control now. Hmm. To uh, USA Today. She also said that she planned to release her own version by early August that year. What really happened is her version didn't come out, but... Paris Hilton's did on accident whenever a bad quality leak of Hilton's recording of the song circulated on the internet from an Orlando radio station recording. Let's listen to that radio recording of Paris Hilton's Screwed. You guys want to give this a listen? Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Radio on the JoJo Kid Show. It's Paris Hilton with a song called Screwed. Hey, they should put this underneath their video. Boo! Hilton's 2004 demo 
of Screwed. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, Maxton, you and I did something for this episode that we rarely, rarely, rarely do and have kind of never done before. We jumped on like a linked Spotify session and listened to Paris Hilton's entire 2006 self-titled album. Mm -hmm. And I got to say, the finished version of Screwed was like by far my favorite track on it. And over the course of the past week, I've been like unable to stop listening to it. As it was playing, I sort of pictured myself, you know, as a teen, standing on my bed, singing that into a hairbrush. Like, that's that kind of feeling. That's a song that if I had discovered it as a teen, I definitely would have listened to it a lot, but I would have felt very insecure about that as like a 16-year-old boy. You know, like, I secretly really like this cool power pop punk Paris Hilton song. Yeah, it's a great track. Hearing that Warner Brothers wanted a guitar album and then hearing this was going to be the lead single, it like it's actually quite interesting just in terms of where culture was in 2004 versus where culture ended up in 2006 when the album came out and she decided to start the album with two Scott Storch productions. Scott Storch, this is a guy that you have been extremely excited to talk to us about. I'm going to keep this as short as possible. Remember how we talked about Rick Rubin and I kind of described him as like the wise wizard sage of popular music, uh, uh-huh. produced tons of, you know, hit records, super important. Scott Storch is the anti Rick Rubin. If Rick Rubin is a wise old wizard, what does that make Scott Storch? Scott Storch is like an evil imp who's addicted to cocaine. <laughs> Sniveling little wizards, uh, <laughs> apprentice who like steals his big book of spells and causes a lot of mischief with it. Yeah. The dude is talented. He produced Baby Boy by Beyonce, an amazing pop song. I will at least give him that. But I really want to read this one paragraph from his very short Wikipedia page that I think you could write an entire movie about this paragraph. Okay. By 2006, Scott Storch was worth more than $70 million, but also picked up a cocaine addiction the year before. In August 2006, he quote-unquote took a month off and vacationed in Hollywood, California. Friend and manager Derek Jackson said it was just a wonderful year, but I think it was defined by that magic month of August. He ran into the Hollywood class, and when he went to Hollywood, everything changed. He withdrew from producing and focused on partying with friends at his $10 million mansion in Palm Island, Florida. He also purchased a private jet, a 117-foot yacht, and nearly 20 luxury cars about half of which he estimated that he bought while he was high on cocaine. Scott Storch squandered $30 million in less than six months and was nearly bankrupt by the beginning of 2007. That is legendary. That's definitely quite the spree. We're talking about falls from grace on this episode. We're talking about people who've lived and died in the public eye. Scott Storch. That man uh, burned out in a blaze of glory. Scott Storch, if you're listening... Come on the show. <laughs> Speaking of blazes, Paris's album was tentatively called Screwed, but then the title was changed to Paris is Burning. Ooh. She then decided to change the album's concept following her collaboration with producer Scott Storch. Then in January 2006, it was announced that the album, which had then been changed to be titled One Crazy Party, would feature a song called My Mistake, 
which was allegedly about Hilton's infamous sex tape scandal. What? Gonna dress it on record, although I, I don't know if that ever did end up happening. It did not make it to press, but as we'll talk about later, there's a myriad of leaked Paris Hilton stuff online, so maybe it'll pop up one day. A quote from Paris Hilton here that really sounds like, you know, if stars are blind, then hindsight is 2020. Then during the middle of the album, they sent me stars are blind, and I immediately knew I had a huge hit on my hands. So who is this one written by exactly? Uh, you know that? Let's pull this up. Yeah, I, I looked this up um, before. Interesting fact while you do that. Uh, Paris's childhood nickname given to her by her father was apparently Stars. So maybe that. <gasps> oh, I didn't make into, that connection at all. You are right. Wow. Maybe that played into the good feeling that she had. You are right. Yep. Stars Are Blind was the only song on the album written by Fernando Garibe, who's also worked with. Uh, Oh, God, a litany of artists. Enrique Iglesias. Enrique Iglesias, Puskat Gals, Snoop Dogg, U2, Lady Gaga, Sia, uh, Whitney Houston, Britney Spears, uh, pop people. He's in league with, like, those Swedish fuckers that made Britney Spears' first album. Max Martin, those guys. I'm sure they're yeah. friends. It's him, a dude named Shepard Solomon, and a guy named Ralph McCarthy. Those three people have writing credits in the song. And I will say... Um, there are some songs in this album that do have like 10 writing credits on them or something like that. Or like, no, it's fighting over me. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight writing credits on fighting over me. I don't think the album has more than that, but like, you know, three by comparison feels like a real healthy number to make yeah. a hip hop song with. <laughs> Definitely less than nine or whatever you just said. So yeah. she gets Stars Are Blind. Uh, at that point, the song Turn It Up was planned as the lead single, but they make the last minute decision to make Stars Are Blind the first single, which was released to a radio in May. And then it got positive reviews from music critics. Sal Sinkimani from Slant said that Paris' debut single, Stars Are Blind, open parentheses, which was commissioned to bridge the gap between the hip-hop and rock-inflected tunes on the album, close parentheses, uh, author's note, that makes sense, has been the surprise of the summer. It's a sunny, reggae-hued love song that has eclipsed new singles by some of music's biggest stars. I don't think we've mentioned so far in the episode that it's a reggae-hued, have we? No. No, we didn't really mention that uh, this is kind of like, uh, you, you know, it's a white person making a reggae song, but somehow it works. I don't mind the reggae vibes at all. I think it bothers some people from what I've heard, but I don't mind the reggae vibes on the track. Oh, I mean, it's very Gwen Stefani, chilled out yeah. Scott reggae. No, no, that was what I was going to open this episode with. I forgot. My first impression upon hearing this song before I started to like it, I didn't like it when I heard it at first. The first time I listened to it, I thought it sounded like Discount Gwen Stefani. That is what I thought. <laughs> Literally, I turned it off and listened to No Doubt instead. First. I gotta say, we haven't touched on this since I think the very first episode, on which I promised it would be a regular part of the show. No, we haven't. But let me bring it back now. It. I have this belief that certain one-hit wonders would be stronger, more powerful songs if they had been written by an artist that kind of sounds like the guy who made the song. <laughs> I think that this one 
would be a much stronger Gwen Stefani song than it would be a Paris Hilton song. Oh, for sure. Although then we might be robbing Paris Hilton of her one true artistic achievement, some would say. So how could we do that? I will say as much as I enjoy the song, the production, it sounds a little chintzy. You know, yeah, it's sure. not as robust as maybe it would be with an actual band behind her, like no doubt. Or even like, you know other songs on the album. Scott Storch didn't touch this one, and you know that because his name isn't whispered in the beginning. <laughs> He's a guy who likes his his producer tags. Scott Storch. <laughs> anyway, great review from Alex Petritus from The Guardian. They said that on Stars Are Blind, the combination of tinny cod reggae and your call is being held in a cue vocal technique results in something so plasticky, it's perversely enjoyable. Which, like, that's how I feel about the production, Mary. Yeah, and Mark Daniels from Yahoo Music said that even the plinky plop reggae Never a good look of single <laughs> Stars Are Blind managed to ingratiate itself eventually. Ernest Baker from Complex listed the song as one of the quote-unquote 50 awesome guilty pleasure songs we're ashamed to like, open parentheses, but not really, close parentheses, authors know something makes me think you're lying, and stated that the song was like a tropical escape from her tabloid headline persona. Instead, you had what seemed like sincere emotions from the socialite incorporated into a ridiculously well-written record over spot-on production. That yeah, I know, right? That that seems like we're going a little I too. I don't like, know I liked, about ridiculously well-written and spot-on production, and even like sincere emotions. Yeah, I do think he's right about this next part though. Stars are blind was a flash in the pan, a fluke, but an incredible one. We'll never get something like this from Paris Hilton again before finishing saying that this is Paris Hilton's greatest contribution to society. Ooh. Ernest Baker really liked this song. <laughs> Not a lot of shame on display in that quote, despite the headline of the article it was written for. So now we get to uh, the other fun vanity singles by more famous people. In 2020, magazine Bustle wrote that unlike the music released by reality stars who came in her stead, think Kim Kardashian's Jam or Heidi Montag's Hire. It wasn't a forgettable vanity single. So let's give a listen to these two forgettable vanity singles and see just how low the nadir goes. Shall we? Yeah, you could call these things forgettable, but I don't know if I even knew about them to begin with. You need another word for that, don't you? Here's Kim Kardashian with Jam. Did Kanye produce this for her? <laughs> I'm legitimately asking. Ooh. No thanks. Yeah, Maxton, can you turn this one down? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think. Hang on. Let's listen to let's listen to Kim Kardashian sing. All right.
Okay. All right. I've, I've heard enough. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure I've thrown up to that like in a gross bathroom. That was horrible. Kanye hear this and was just like, wow, her mind. <laughs> I mean, that wasn't produced to be a pop single, right? That sounded oh, like a holy dance shit. club track. Holy shit. That was produced by The Dream? The Dream. Baby, what are you doing? <laughs> Not his best work. Cash that check. Jeez, a lot of checks being cashed over here. A lot of cash moving around on this episode. Yeah. We got another one, right? Heidi Montag. Here's Heidi Montag with uh, Higher. Something I wish I was right now. <laughs> Artistic. Yeah, we're opening with a, with a little sound collage here. That's hot. Please start the song. Here I go now. I'm keeping my eyes open. Don't you let me down. Nothing can stop me now. I know you hear the sound. Okay. She's a little high in the mix. Well, did did the dream produce this one too? <laughs> what if that was just his thing? You know, you're a celebrity, you need a song, go see the dream. Anyway, I I didn't like that one as much as Stars Are Blind either. Better than Jam though, right? I guess. <laughs> yeah, I would say it was better than Jam. Countess Luann de Lesseps from Real Housewives of New York franchise has several songs that are really something. Chic C'est la Vie and uh, Money Can't Buy You Class. Or a recording career, except if you're Paris Hilton, because Stars Are Blind peaked at number 18 on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. Very well done, Paris. That's pretty high. I feel like on this show, we spend a lot of time either covering like mammoth songs like Aha, Ring My Bell, or Who Let the Dogs Out is a mammoth song, but it also falls into the category of songs that just barely, but the skin of their teeth made it into the top 40. Here we're in the top 20. Like, we are firmly in it, baby. Because it's so high, it feels insane that I didn't know about this song. I loved pop music from, like, this point in time. I had a very long-held belief, and I guess I still hold it, that pop music produced from 1997 to 2007 is basically, like, the gold standard for pop music. To what degree do you attribute the success of this song to the kind of perverse novelty that it is a pop song by Paris Hilton. Do you think DJs are spinning this one because like it's a surprisingly good track or do you think they just wanted to be like let's put on the Paris Hilton song? That thing's kind of weird, right? I think probably a lot of it was driven by requests. True! Mm -hmm. I think people would be chilling at home and be like Paris Hilton's got a song. It sounds like Mary you still do think a lot of those requests were driven just by the novelty of it being a Paris Hilton song. For sure. I would agree that it definitely had something to do with it. If you wanted to try and like put a number on it i would say it's like i think the 30 percent of oh it's a it's a paris hilton pop song is what makes you turn it on or what makes you listen to like the first like you know 15 30 seconds or whatever and then once you have an opinion on it uh i think most people come out of it feeling pretty positively 
I could still see it getting to top 40 if this were, say, a Gwen Stefani song. Sure. But I don't know if it would have gotten to number 18. Definitely not, I think. If this was part of the No Doubt catalog, I think there are plenty of numbers that would overshadow this. This would be an album Mm -hmm. cut. Yeah, probably. So Paris by Paris Hilton was released to mixed reviews in August 2006. All music was positive, commenting that the album was, quote unquote, more fun than anything released by Britney Spears or Jessica Simpson, and a lot fresher too. All music, put some respect on Britney Spears' name. What the fuck are you doing? Come on, Britney Spears has great songs. It's Britney, bitch. As somebody who listened to this album with Trevor, I don't think that this is better or fresher than Britney Spears or Jessica Simpson. I think that they have better albums than this. I would probably put it on par with anything Jessica Simpson's released, although you got to keep in mind I'm saying that as somebody who does not know any of Jessica Simpson's music and I'm only assuming. Sure. I feel like Britney Spears is definitely on a whole nother level of pop stardom. Although when I think about most of her songs... Fun isn't the first word that comes to mind. Not really, yeah. And whereas there is a bit of a fun element to Paris Hilton's album. I think that maybe in, you know, our post 9-11 hellscape of the 2000s, maybe we just wanted some fun. Maybe America just wanted to have fun. And this is the part of the show where I will mention that This Is Paris, the Paris Hilton documentary, closes with a truly atrocious piano cover of Girls Just Want to Have Fun that's sung all slow and whispery. <laughs> God, that shit, that was bad. That was on par with uh, the really bad uh, cover in uh, Birds of Prey, that Harley Quinn movie that came out this year, of... Uh, hit me with your best shot they did a similar thing where it was like all sultry and sexy and wrong were you a bigger fan it's fair to say of the fairly straightforward uh cover she did of do you think i'm sexy by rob stewart i do think i'm a bigger fan of her cover of do you think i'm sexy but it's interesting because i hate do you think i'm sexy yeah not a great song Mark Daniels from Yahoo Music said, to many it'll appear that Mrs. Hilton has bought herself a singing career, and in many ways it could be argued that she has, but so what? With some contagious pop, genuinely stylish moments, and a complete lack of inane balance, it was worth every penny. Billboard's Keith Caulfield said, does it matter that Paris Hilton isn't a great singer? Not really. Wisely, the gaggle of producers and writers enlisted on the project don't require Hilton to do more than she's capable of, thus making Paris an enjoyable pop romp. Naysayers be damned. Hilton releasing an album does not signal the end of days. Paris won't change the world, but it's good fun. I like this next review from Leah Greenblatt from Entertainment Weekly. Uh, she described the album as a candy box well-stocked with Nutra-sweet melodies, but with lyrics often both inane and vaguely porny, a criticism I would agree with. <laughs> there are some vaguely porny lyrics on this thing. Scott Storch. You gotta have some idea what you're in for, right? And the album featured the previously leaked former singles Screwed, but finished and kind of more polished and a little different sounding. Great track, IMO. Paris Hilton said in an interview with Bustle in 2020, for me, the music was never really about the character. It was more about me as an artist. Whenever I do my music, I take it seriously. Feels like it would have been a really healthy thing for her to go all in on. For real, instead of just like, you know, I do this, I do 40 other things. Like, it seems like if I am Paris Hilton, right? Unfortunately, seems like the music thing is 
the most work for the least reward, right? Like think about how she's made her money. Fragrances, jewelry, books, hotels. We're talking about very easy ways to make money if you could start doing that. She's firmly in that rich get richer category and due to her childhood and her modus operandi being I have to take care of myself because no one will I don't think that she felt like she could really spend the time on a music career because she's like I need to get this this jewelry running I need to go do this appearance I do think there's an element of her loving the limelight and a bit of well at, at least with this you know there's less I really have to do versus the kind of like deep introspection for often you know pennies on the dollar that you get being a songwriter maybe Paris Hilton got to demo the life of being a successful musician and was like no thanks it's not for me uh where's serato where is a uh, tractor where are the cdjs i want to do some djing instead real shame i think it would have been a good path i for did her. too let's talk about something else that sucks though uh <laughs> because during the first week of this album's release paris became a target of the street artist Banksy! And if you can't see, I'm doing like the biggest jerk off <laughs> So Banksy took 500 copies of her album in 48 record shops across the United Kingdom and replaced them with his own alternate version. His rework of the album featured remixes produced by himself and Danger Mouse, who, you know, as a fan of like his work with bands such as Gorillaz, I would have hoped like old Brian would have been above something like this but you know the rework featured remixes by banksy and danger mouse and the track list contained satire song titles such as why am i famous what have i done and what am i for which is it's you know, kind of funny the level of like navel gazing yeah kind of galaxy brain shit that you expect from an artist like banksy you know it's yes. all like mcdonald's and bank of america and whatever <laughs> He also, if this wasn't like, you know, okay, we get it enough. Yeah, this is real low-hanging fruit. Yeah, he also changed the cover sleeve and booklet to display pictures of Paris Hilton topless. Classy, Banksy. Yeah, the original barcode had been left on the album so people could buy the CDs without realizing that Banksy had interfered. How nice. Yeah. Just, and I feel like that's the level of commentary... Why even bother, okay? I mean, the same could be said for Banksy's entire career by this point, I feel like. Should we yes. listen to this, though? Danger Mouse and Banksy? Yeah. Why am I famous? Let's let's pour sure. one out for 14-year-old Maxton, who definitely watched Exit the Gift Shop on Netflix and thought that that Banksy seemed like a cool dude. Here's mm -hmm. Danger Mouse and Banksy with Why Am I Famous? Well, a lot of people, since they don't already know me as a recording artist think that this was just something that I thought up in one minute and did. That's hot. That's hot. This. I like this motoric beat. That's hot. Very, very rock. How much do you like it? Because that's, that's all hot. this 40 minutes is. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. I don't know if I could I don't know if I could spend two two thirds of an hour listening to Seriously, it. it's there's that sometimes and this. That's hot. So now we'll go shopping. 
Does he throw in the audio clip of her trying to make watch. coffee? That's <laughs> no. All right, we, we get it. That we is it. I think we're good the here. groundbreaking conceptual artist Banksy uh, feet Danger Mouse. He really got her. He really got her with this one. <laughs> I think this... I think this is probably the reason why we didn't get a follow-up, just because this was such a blow. Banksy, can you stop now? So Paris actually re responded to this, although uh, it didn't happen until it, this, this year, year 2020, yeah. when a copy of the CD was sold at auction for 8,750 euros. That's quite a few more euros than I would pay for that. But Paris said, Banksy is an iconic artist, and I thought it was really cool that he would take the time to go and get 500 of my albums and do that to them. I've actually been trying to buy one. I love how she says, and do that to them. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, oh, it was so nice that you defaced my shit. It's got, it's got a real, like, I'm not crying, I'm laughing, actually, vibe to it. On a, on a lighter note. She's got plenty to laugh about because on August 29th, 2006, the mayor of Vegas proclaimed the day Paris Hilton Day and gave her a key to the city. Maxton, discussion question. Discussion Mary, question. feel free to weigh in on this as well. If you get a key to the city, where's the first place you're going with that thing? <laughs> you can go anywhere. You can open. Is it Vegas specifically? Sure. Yeah, sure it, I guess that. it should got, be, right? Yeah. You got a key that will open any door in Vegas. Okay. Where are you going? All right. We've all seen Ocean's Eleven, right? That's I'm exactly going in there. Going. I'm going in there. I was going Ocean's Eleven, 100%. I want to go to like the hidden underground rooms where they do like the high stakes games of Russian roulette. Oh, cool. Like deer hunter stuff. Exactly. Nice. Yeah, that's, where, that's where you make the real money on the strip. And that's where you uh, make the real decisions to make your life go wrong. Let's talk about what went wrong. Bum, bum, bum. Um, you know, I know we were just in August 2006. Let's fast forward a long time to September 2006. Paris Hilton was arrested and charged with driving under the influence of alcohol. With a blood alcohol Classic rock star move. Classic rock star shit. Didn't Nickelback sing about that in their hit song, Rockstar? With a blood alcohol content of 0.08% in defense of Paris Hilton. Isn't that the line? I'm not totally sure. I don't know how fucked up that actually is. I, I, I don't drink a lot. I want to say that if that 0 0.07 on a breathalyzer is sober and 0 0.08 is slammer. Yeah, I okay. think I, I can back you up on that. She wasn't thrown in jail, though, or was she? I don't know. But her, her driver's license was suspended uh, that following November. And in January 2007, she pleaded no contest to a reckless driving charge. Her sentence was 36 months probation, so, so no jail time, and fines totaling about uh, $1,500. Chump change. Drop in the bucket. A pittance. Meanwhile, later that month, her private life became public on ParisExposed.com, a website with images of personal documents, video, and other material allegedly obtained when the contents of a storage locker rented by Paris were auctioned in lieu of a $208 payment. Paris! That's $208! $208. The, the website which charged for online access to the material had 1.2 million visitors in just over 40 hours. Among its contents were medications, diaries, photographs, 
contracts, love letters, and a video shot by Joe Francis of Girls Gone Wild. And this is where I need to interject something that's not in the notes here. Evidently, this treasure trove of documents is where people first got recordings of Paris Hilton saying the N-word. Oh my gosh. Yes. I did not know that was a thing. I have a thing here. Uh, what seems to be a pretty fluff article about is Paris Hilton racist today? Where it's basically like, you know, all this stuff's been taken down off the internet. This is what it was. This is what was up there. And it's interesting. See, the article is saying that because of the racy stuff in there, the racist stuff pretty much has been lost to time. This article claims there were derogatory statements about Latinos, anti-Semitic remarks, and disparaging comments about Chinese people. Oof, bad luck. I'm generally pretty sympathetic to celebrities when they get their shit leaked, but I'm finding it hard to do so in this case, considering she could have prevented it by simply paying a bill of $200. <laughs> or not saying the N-word. That would nip it in the bud. That definitely <laughs> does also contribute to me not being super sympathetic. I do have a statement from her publicist about the scandal. I'm not going to make any attempt to spin this. It happened. I'm not going to deny it happened. Each of us has used words we have regretted later. This was six years ago. She was 20 at the time. It was New Year's Eve. She had obviously been drinking. She sincerely regrets using those words. She is not a racist or an anti-Semite, which sounds like a pretty boilerplate thing to hear from a lawyer after something like this. Do we know what context it was in? Like, Max, then when I say this, please, please bleep it out. But was she was like, what am I bleep? Or was she like, <laughs> Sylvia, you are being such a bleep. I think it's the second one. Okay. I don't have anything that is definitive on that. I can't remember where I saw that but I want to say that and you know due to the way she talks about gay people a little later on I would kind of assume that she was using it in the derogatory sense I could see Harris Hilton dropping the F slur in like a bad way what happened to ParisExposed.com glad you asked Max and after that Hilton obtained a temporary injunction against ParisExposed.com which shut down the website so Paris Hilton is having a very busy January before the end of January she was stopped again for driving with a suspended license and she signed an agreement saying she was not permitted to drive and then the next month she was caught driving 70 miles per hour in a 35 miles per hour zone without headlights at night with a suspended license guys was this a suicide attempt what was she doing i really don't know but prosecutors in the office of the Los Angeles City Attorney charged that these infractions and her failure to enroll in a court-ordered alcohol education program violated her probation. Sucks! So then on May 4th, Hilton was sentenced by Judge Michael T. Sauer to 45 days in jail for the probation violation. She planned to appeal the sentence, supporting an online petition asking California Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger for a pardon. Nah, I am not that interested. <laughs> Sorry, Paris. <laughs> Uh, a counter a counter petition to maintain the sentence was then posted. Oh, that's cold. Yeah, Hilton changed lawyers and dropped her plans to appeal. And now Paris goes to jail. Paris was required to begin her jail term on June 5th and entered the Century Regional 
detention facility, a women's prison in Linwood, California, right after she attended the 2007 MTV Movie Awards on June 3rd. At least she still made it to the MTV Movie Awards. Pretty nice of them to let her go to that, right? I'm sure that was important to her. Four days after that, on June 7th, Los Angeles County Sheriff Lee Baca signed an order resentencing Hilton to 40 days of home confinement with an electronic monitoring device due to an unspecified medical condition. Oh? I like that you were able to find out the names of who all these people were. Wikipedia, baby! The county sheriff, the judge, all very important things that the listeners have to know. But that sheriff said, my message to those who don't like celebrities is that punishing celebrities more than the average American is not justice. He then added, the special treatment, in a sense, appears to be because of her celebrity status. She got more time in jail. That doesn't seem like what happened because she was only in jail for a month dude and then the next day judge michael sauer summoned her to reappear in court the following morning since her original sentence specified imprisonment and he said no work furlough no work release no electronic monitoring and at the hearing sauer declined a briefing in chambers by hilton's attorney on her medical condition and sent her back to jail to serve the original 45 day sentence when she heard the decision paris shouted it's not right screaming she asked to hug her mother and then she got out of jail less than a month later on june 26 <laughs> how terrified though do you think paris hilton was of jail that's exactly what i was thinking like was the was the medical condition ptsd she dealt with the solitary confinement we didn't touch on it earlier but i think it's worth bringing up how she was brought to those like re-education camps to begin with? Kidnapping! Right. Yeah, according to the documentary. And her sister tells the story, right? Mm -hmm. About her being dragged from her bed in the middle of the night with no warning. Yeah, the sister says she woke up in the middle of the night and heard somebody screaming like bloody murder. She went into the, out into the hallway and there were these people here from like the camp she was being sent to dragging her out of bed and out of her home to take her to the camp. And Paris says that this is something that she has like graphic nightmares about every single night, like every time she goes to sleep. In the doc, she describes it as the nightmare. Yep. The sister alleges that the next day the parents were acting like absolutely nothing was happening. So I could definitely see her being terrified of going to prison at this point in her life. Uh, Wealth is a prison, isn't it? That's true. She was in a prison of, you know, her celebrity's own making. Two prisons! But hey, who among us is not in a prison of our own making? Hey! Right? Yeah. You forge your own chains! So, in 2007, the Huffington Post declared the beginning of the end of Hilton's tabloid reign had come, noting that the media saturation hit a wall amid her much-publicized legal issues at the time. February 2007, the Associated Press attempted to not mention her for a week. I feel like there is no such analog to this in today's culture. What press publication is going on? Like, guys, we have to intentionally not mention this celebrity that we've been talking about too much for a whole week. We gotta go a whole week without any Paris Hilton news. Can you imagine if someone tried that during when Donald Trump was the president? Would have been a nice week, I gotta say. I would have enjoyed that oh, yeah. brief respite. A similar attempt had previously been made by Lloyd Grove, who banned her from his New York Daily News gossip column in 2004. How courageous, Lloyd. He was really paving the way. Then in June 2007, US Weekly published its first 100% Paris-free issue. And, and, and near the beginning of a Morning Joe episode, Mika Berzezinski refused to read a report about Hilton's release from jail. So courageous. Yeah. 
In a poll conducted by the Associated Press, uh, a noted anti-Paris outlet, and AOL, we don't know their stance on Paris Hilton. Hilton was the second worst celebrity role model of 2006 behind Britney Spears. Britney Spears coming up a lot in this episode. What was Britney Spears doing around 2006? Was this when she was like shaving her head? Yeah, head yep. shaving. Okay. While we're here on Britney again, because she's not a one-hit wonder, and I don't know when I will ever get the chance to mention this again, Britney Spears was my first celebrity crush. Aww. I'm glad you got that out there. Is this, oops, I did it again, Britney? Is this, baby, Toxic, Britney. Well, yes. Toxic was a very good song. I remember the Britney fall from grace better than I remember, like, any pop culture event of that time. Like, the time that Britney started shaving her head is around the time that I probably would have become familiar with Paris Hilton, basically. Yeah. In May 2007, Hilton denied calling herself the quote-unquote iconic blonde of the decade, like Princess Diana and Marilyn Monroe. She appeared in the 2007 Guinness World Records as the world's most overrated celebrity. Who is the world's most appropriately rated celebrity? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Anyways, in 2008, her foray into acting continued with such works as romantic comedy The Hottie and the Naughty, which was, by all accounts, a critical and commercial failure. Gothic rock musical Repo, the genetic opera, which received mixed reviews, but immediately gained a cult following, and a documentary about her life entitled Paris, Not France. I only skimmed through this to see if there was music stuff talked about, and there was not. She also starred in an MTV reality series, Paris Hilton's My New BFF, which was about her search for a new best friend. Jeez. What happened to Nicole Richie? Was there some kind of public falling out there when the simple life ended or when it ended the first time i can't remember it was because nicole ritchie evidently was showing people the tapes Ooh, interesting i'm imagining that's why her name is not uttered in the documentary yeah i was waiting for her to show up i thought it was surprising that they didn't talk to her and surprising that they didn't talk to zach and cody either. or dave chappelle or dave chappelle that guy who <laughs> took those photos of her right yeah yeah. Paris Hilton's My New BFF, that premiered on September 30th, 2008, and it was followed by a series of spinoffs, such as Paris Hilton's British Best Friend, which I guess would have been, or Paris Hilton's BBFF, and also Paris Hilton's Dubai Best Friend Forever, because I guess we all need a good friend based in Dubai. I'd watch that one. Did Paris Hilton just want to, like, an excuse for a trip to Dubai? <laughs> Like, that's very specific. I think she would have been invited to Dubai. Yeah, I guess. At the beginning of this sentence, I felt so bad. Like, Paris Hilton is out here. She wants a best friend so bad that she's just going to have a reality show. And, like, rock star in excess or American Idol or The Voice or The Bachelor, where she could just audition friends until someone sticks. And she needs so many different versions of these shows so that she can have all of these friends that may or may not stick around you got to diversify your friend group you need a best friend forever you need a british friend you need a dubai, dubai best friend. friend how how do you guys think you would have done on this show do you think paris would have liked you what would your approach have been? Were there rounds? Like, would I have made it past the third round? Like, oh, yeah. Well, did this work where they, like, voted people off as, like, they got, like, disqualified? Mary, do you remember watching this at all? Have you seen I it? I did not watch it at all. I am a people pleaser. However, <laughs> I feel like I would get too familiar and accidentally call her a bitch, but Ooh, not in yeah, a friendly way. Yeah, in a way that she would take offense you could, to. You could start throwing around the N-word just to, just to impress her. <laughs> No, thank you, Trevor. Let's listen to the theme song of Paris Hilton's My New BFF. The song 
Paris Hilton's My New BFF. <laughs> Sad. Decently written. This is so sad. are Paris Hilton's music managers doing? This never got a single release? That was solid. Stands up there with the best songs on her self-titled, I think. It was a bit of a downer. Thematically, it's tragic. To me, this feels like the cathartic emotional release that we did not hear on her album anywhere when we listened to 100% agreed there is this feels so much more genuine in a very heartbreaking yep. way yeah. you know I just picture like in the booth like why don't I have any friends I need a TV <laughs> show to find myself some friends that's not normal people just make friends normally but I can't here's my theory on the best friend show I think they offered her a dating show like oh. Flavor Flav had a goofy dating show Flavor of Love Flavor of Love, Rock, Rock of, of Love, love Tila Tequila. That was very in vogue at this time. I think they offered her a dating show and she said no and they were able to spin it. Wow. So due to television contracts and plotting, every participant in the show was automatically frenzied. <laughs> Yes. Those damn producers. I don't have any hard proof on that theory. I just came up with it now, but that's what I feel in my heart based on the era. During the back half of the year, she came back in the spotlight when a campaign advertisement from then presidential candidate John McCain, everyone's favorite presidential candidate, John McCain, compared rival Barack Obama to Paris Hilton. In response, she released a couple of spoof campaign ads, in air quotes, I'm doing air quotes with my fingers right now, mm -hmm. with the help of comedy website Funny or Die, before topping it off with another brand new song mere days before the 2008 election. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to consider Paris for president? Paris for president. Oh my god.
What? So Paris was a more progressive political candidate at the time than Barack Obama himself. Now, on the very same day, strategic move on behalf of Paris Hilton's PR team, the first purported cut from Paris's sophomore album leaked a track about her incarceration called Jailhouse Baby. Let's listen to this. doesn't really do anything for me it's interesting to me that paris doesn't have a sophomore album because boy do we have lots of stuff from it we have enough like material that is purportedly from this album to probably sequence an album's worth of stuff enough about what went wrong I think that now we understand that Paris Hilton jettisoned her music career and started to kind of fade from the tabloids. By the end of 2009, a quiet relationship between them and Paris Hilton led CNN to write a story asking, why has Paris Hilton disappeared? And that suspicion was reinforced in 2011 when her reality show, The World According to Paris, which is by this point her third reality show now if we're keeping track it would not it would yeah, not, not counting kind of spin-offs spin like the dubai one that one was met with lackluster ratings and she even walked out during an interview with good morning america when asked if she was worried about her moment having passed kind of a sensitive question that's petulant paris then according to an ipsos poll that year she was the most unpopular celebrity with american with 60 percent of respondents viewing her unfavorably then the New York Times described her as an attractive woman with proven talent for marketing and self-promotion, though as a reality heroine, she seems a little passe. It's hard to see how she can recapture the kind of audience she enjoyed in her heyday, even by streaming her premiere live on Facebook. I think that that's a good point as any to really start to get into the second act of Paris Hilton's career. Let's talk about what came next. But first, while all that shit was happening where Paris Hilton was storming out of Good Morning America, making her new reality show, her house got robbed a bunch by a yeah, bling ring, to, a group of fashion-motivated thieves. Yeah, time to talk about Sofia Coppola movies. It was not until nearly $2 million in jewelry, clothing, cash, and other items were stolen from Paris that she reported having been burgled. And then, yes, she actually appeared as a victim of the blingering in the cinematic adaptation of the story directed by Sofia Coppola. In 2011, two years after the apparent end of Paris Hilton's media dominance, CNN declared that she had transformed fame, quote unquote, more than any other modern day star in reference to her influence on the revival of the famous for being famous phenomenon and leadership in the insurgency of a new type of celebrity whose private life became an unprecedented focus of public interest. She's credited with creating the professional blueprint for this kind of celebrity, which intensified with the posterior growth of social media and molding what academics call an 
image, which is not simply a trademark, a design, a slogan, or an easily remembered picture, but a studiously crafted personality profile of an individual institution, corporation, product, or service, or in Paris Hilton's case, all five. Much of that persona, though, was centered on her party girl heiress archetype, as well as her blonde hair and the stereotypes associated with it, especially dumbness, naivete, sexual availability, and artificiality. The development of that character stemmed from the initial success of The Simple Life and her desire to embody the ultimate brand based on the right everything for a formula that far exceeded anybody else at the time, according to Jason Moore, her former manager. He said that she was the ultimate package that corporate America would want to make for itself as a marketing tool, but it was already made for them. They say to be a famous person, people want to be you or sleep with you and she encompassed both of those yeah and although her dim-witted blonde persona was a carefully crafted act the general public believed it to be her real personality and that became an obstacle in her career when she wanted to be respected as a businesswoman she remarked people always assume before they meet me that i'm a really ditzy dumb blonde and that's the one thing that kind of annoys me sometimes they just think because of the reality show that's who i am but that was just a character that i created I didn't realize what a huge success it would be. With everything that's happening, though, with my business, I think that people can understand that you couldn't possibly get this far just being a quote-unquote dump blonde. She was raised in, like, a very high-class family, so I assume that, like, she is a very capable, intelligent, and, like, crafty person. Scrupulous individual. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to describe it. Paper Magazine called Hilton, quote-unquote, the mother of the digital age in a 2018 article in the documentary. One of her managers mentions that in 2003 uh, you know it doesn't sound so novel but she was taking pictures of herself with a digital camera it was the beginning of something but not consciously i think that that's weirdly important also in the documentary a thing that tickled me a little bit paris hilton described herself as one of the architects of the social media age which i think is just a little bit off instead of being one of the people who is responsible for the design of it i think that you're instead the person that they've made it for i think you're the client paris i think that you and the people like you in the world are who they've made facebook twitter instagram all of these stories, these fleets, these damn Snapchats for. It stems from Paris Hilton and and her influence. I think it's funny that she does have that sort of moment of introspection where she feels like Frankenstein and she's like, what have I created? That was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Love to see people reckoning. It's not all on her. If anything, she's just kind of like the front man for the band, so to speak. And Mark Zuckerberg's kind of playing the drums. Jack Dorsey's on the bass. Jeff Bezos is doing like a wah-wah guitar kind of thing. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And I think in the same vein, in the early 2000s, it could have been anyone that was sort of glommed on to Yeah. It. If it wasn't her, it was going to be somebody else. The moment was ripe for this. And she happened to fill the void. Her life happened to be turbulent enough to make her, you know, want to do all this stuff. Because, like, even in this documentary that we keep talking about, it closes or near the end, she starts talking about how she, quote unquote, doesn't want to stop until she's a billionaire. And so we need to reconcile the reclamation of Paris Hilton in 2020 with our newfound desire to eat the rich. Mm. She wants to be rich and i mean 
Her reason for wanting to be rich stems from trauma. So I'm willing to be like, yeah, Paris, you should be rich. Go get it, girl. Hell yeah. But at the same time, and I will asterisk this with, she has been involved in many charitable activities throughout her life. But the whole thing with her being who she is, if it wasn't going to be her, it was going to be someone else, you know, like her sister in the documentary is like, I, I don't do public interviews like this. I like specifically stay away from this kind of shit. It seems like they like learned from her. Like, you know, like if Nikki Hilton was the firstborn, that maybe that would be the name that we all know today. You know what I mean? Totally. Mm. Who got there first? On a personal level, since consumerism is so wrapped up with her public persona, mm -hmm. that has always been like a hurdle for me in terms of like actively hoping for her success, you know, sure. and, and yeah. wanting to see her do well is just everything is so wrapped up in consumerism. Even like her wanting to be a billionaire, it's like, okay, well, that's not actually the empowering goal you think it is. No, not really. It's pretty gross. And at the end of the movie, the documentarian asks the one hard question of Paris, which is, do you think you and the brand will ever have a divorce where she laughs and shakes her head and she says, no, I'm just going to be like this forever. I detected more than a hint of self-deprecation there. But at the same time, this whole thing about her and her image and subsequent reinvention that is underway is that the crux of this, the way it works is that it's like someone you're playing poker against showing you their hand and saying, all right, I am lying to you. Now trust me. Now I want you to believe that I'm going to be completely forthright and honest here. I think there's a difference between being vulnerable and being honest. I absolutely agree. And it can be hard to see when she's being one and when she's being the other. I feel like a lot of times, People who are, you know, uber wealthy and uber successful, like Paris Hilton, can sort of, uh, is weaponized the right word? Like, it just seems like we're getting a better picture than what's really there. Seeming relatable is the brand, and part of relatability is being vulnerable. Something every celebrity kind of shoots for. It's manipulation. It's so commonplace in the world that we live in, I think we're all sort of used to it. Maybe we just don't lend any thought to it, but it is a little quietly despicable. It's one of the many quietly despicable things brought on by, you know, capitalism and just being a money hungry culture in addition to, you know, being a misogynistic culture that put Paris Hilton under so much scrutiny in the first place. You know what I mean? I find quietly despicable to be one of the most effective ways to be despicable. Can we skip to the part where we talk about how Paris Hilton apparently hates gay people? Yeah, let's talk about this now. Because it's interesting because she's kind of become a real icon in the LGBTQ community. Like she has like a really big gay fan following. But there's also these comments that she's on record having made. Quote from a cab ride she took with a friend on September 7th. 2012. She was being surreptitiously recorded by her cab driver because, you know, if you're a cab driver and Paris Hilton gets in your cab, of course you're going to turn on your iPhone voice memos and see what sort of shit Paris Hilton says. And unfortunately in that cab, she wasn't being so quietly despicable. No. On this recording, she allegedly said gay guys are the horniest people in the world they're disgusting 
dude, most of them probably have AIDS. And, and I'm interested in seeing if she had like a similarly kind of like galaxy brain level way of talking herself out of this sounding as bad as it is as she did with like the whole N-word affair. It kind of seems like this is her special street fighter move, right? This is what representatives for Paris Hilton said through uh Glad, an organization that represents LGBTQ people. This statement said that her comments were to express that it is dangerous for anyone to have unprotected sex that could lead <laughs> to a life-threatening on. disease. The conversation became heated after a gay friend told her in a cab ride a story about a gay man who has AIDS and is knowingly having unprotected sex. Mm. He also discussed a website that encourages random sex by gay men with strangers. Mm -hmm. As she was being shown the website, her comments were in reference to those people promoting themselves on the site. The cab driver who recorded this only provided a portion of the conversation. It was not her intent to make any derogatory comments about all gays. Paris Hilton is a huge supporter of the gay community. It would never purposefully make any negative statements about anyone's sexual orientation. How convenient. Apparently her response was not all gays. Not all gays. I truly believe that those words came directly from Kathy Hilton's mouth after a few (laughs) glasses of wine at dinner. And Paris Hilton does not take the time or space to question any of these things. Those gay people who love you, Paris, they all have AIDS. (laughs) Don't you know that? This is too uncensored. In May 2012, Paris Hilton scored a brand new record label deal with a record label that she did not own. Little small independent record label you might have heard of called Cash Money Records. Here is a song featuring famous rapper Lil Wayne, who is on Cash Money, some say for life. This song is called... Good time. Let's hope that's what we have listening to it. Not particularly so far. I'm having a neutral time, which is arguably the biggest insult, right? YouTube is not having a neutral time because this has 65,000 likes and 83,000 dislikes. Horribly dated 2013 EDM drop. Wasn't dated in 2K13, baby. Anyway, I don't like this song. Let's move on. I don't like this either, but I think we should listen to when Lil Wayne comes in, so I think I'm gonna skip to that. I thought she would be more of the feature on the song, but it's really Paris heavy. They hide him in here. I had to scrub to like two and a half minutes to see little Wayne in here. A little bit of a third act twist, Wayne showing up. I'm fucked up. I can't oh. tell you what's what. All she know is suck fuck. I walked up to a big button. Uh, she never slacks without a button up. I rolled the dice and looked up. I'm all in, I'm all in. More money, more problems. More money was This is a C minus little inverse. This is not one of his greater efforts. You really think he would have rose to the occasion. Oh, he's singing now. Fuck me like she loved me. Love is such a science. Do you think it's love? Thanks for not replying. It's Paris Hilton, bitch. It's Paris Hilton, bitch. 
love is famously a science, so we can't fault him there. And then, in 2015, she released her final single with the label, a song called High Off My Love, featuring Lil Wayne's dad, Birdman. Gotta keep it in the family, Cash Money Records. Nepotism. Let's take a listen to this one. Oh, it's a Britney Spears ripoff. One could be cool with some like cool stage set and some yeah, props and smoke and choreography. Potentially. This one's definitely a bigger success for me than the Lil Wayne one. I'm enjoying this. I don't want this drop though. Oh God. Yeah, it's bad. Other one might have had a better drop. Which is weird, right? Because it was not as good of a song as this. It's trying to do a trap thing, but it's not brave enough to actually do it. Okay, this is another one where we've buried the feature by Birdman way into the song. So I'm going to skip to it. Who's waiting for a Birdman feature though? <laughs> so we taking off. Stunner Island, the Birdman, I'm known to ball. Red Bugatti, Stunner Man, the money talk. Oh, 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 money with new money, we feel a hummer. Stretch them numbers, we do them numbers, we get the money. Every summer, cause we the ones to blow. This is worse than the Little Wayne verse. Well, yeah, it's Birdman. <laughs> At least he didn't start singing. Okay, gun to your head. The Birdman one or the Lil Wayne one? I like the Birdman one better, but I like the Lil Wayne feature better than the Birdman feature. I'm never going to listen to either song again, though. Totally yeah. agree with you, Trevor. In recent years, Hilton has grown an online social media presence, including millions of followers on Twitter and Instagram. She came under scrutiny once again in August 2017. Jesus Christ. After making some comments in an interview about women who accused Donald Trump of sexual harassment and sexual assault, seemingly accusing them of trying to get attention. Classy. <laughs> Let's see her backflip out of this She's one. really good at this. She's really good at it. She later clarified, I want to apologize for my comments from an interview I did last year. They were part of a much larger story, and I'm regretful <laughs> that they were not delivered in the way I had intended. I was speaking about my own experiences in life and the role of media and fame in our society, and it was never my intention for my comments to be misapplied almost a year later. Context, context, context. You don't know the whole story. <laughs> it is just absolutely... I almost said shocking. It's not shocking, but it is remarkable. That's a good word for it. To criticize someone for apparently seeking attention when her ha! entire personal empire <laughs> is 
having sought attention and maybe sometimes received too much attention, which was difficult to deal with. But without attention, where would she be? People who live in glass houses definitely should not accuse victims of sexual assault as just looking for attention. I agree. (laughs) And like, she knows about bad attention. Who wants that kind of attention? She should know better than anybody. Speaking of the impact of the kind of attention that she received, feminist theorist Camille Paglia described her as a quote-unquote groundbreaking figure in Hollywood with regards to changing how celebrities act and are viewed in the public eye. Meanwhile, in her her book, The Bling Ring, an account on the group of thieves that robbed Paris Hilton's house, Nancy Jo Sales positioned her as a, quote, celebrity symbol of how destructive individualism ruled the 2000s, which I think is a pretty apt summary of her, except minus the 2000s part. I think we are still living in an age of destructive individualism, and we may never escape it. She's been quite busy in 2020. On May 6th of this year, she presented a new merchandise collection, which includes t-shirts, hoodies, and a sweatshirt featuring one of her trademark catchphrases, which includes, that's hot, loves it, and her newest catchphrase, sliving, a portmanteau of slaying and living. Sliving! No, that's a flop for me. That's a bad one. Paris, stop trying to make sliving happen. It's not gonna happen. It's a flop. No, it also recently happened, though. That YouTube documentary, This Is Paris, that came out recently, September 14th. And then in the middle of next month, she announced that she would be releasing a single called I Blame You on October 16th. With proceeds going to Breaking Code Silence, a network of survivors of childhood abuse. You guys want to give a listen to I Blame You? Not super into how accusatory the title is. Not comfortable being confronted like that. But yeah, let's give it a spin. (laughs) The guitar is back. All right. She never sounds like a human being when she sings. Yeah, no, she sounds like a robot 24-7. She sounds like one of those Hitsune Miku things. Yeah. They also bury it so it sounds like she's in another room. I feel good. I feel good. Nice. Ooh. I just picture some engineer going like, you sound great, Paris, while simultaneously sliding her vocals down. Paris Hilton likes contemporary EDM of whatever year we're in. I don't think that anything we've played since we talked about the album has really reached the highs of some of that stuff on the album, but I'm glad that Paris Hilton is out here making music. Yeah, like I said, it really feels like music would have been a good out for Paris Hilton, you know, a good escape from the gilded cage that she lives in. She has moments of introspection. I don't think she has time. In the documentary, she stays booked and busy. She's from one thing to the next sure but it's destroying her it is destroying her absolutely who she thinks she is is a businesswoman and she thinks that if she gets a billion dollars she'll be happy spoiler alert paris that's not gonna happen you're not gonna be happy once you get that billion it's just gonna be another tragic landmark in your life that 
ends up feeling as empty as you never wanted it to feel, but always were afraid that You're it would. You're going to buy the biggest, ugliest house you can find and fill it with ugly furniture because the only furniture that fits in those giant houses is always ugly. <laughs> All you'll have is just another expensive cage. Let's keep talking about music, though, and finally get into the fucking goddamn cover section. Yeah, let's talk about some covers. I really wanted to start the cover section with Bo Burnham's cover of the song, but it is not out yet because it is in the new movie Promising Young Woman directed by Emerald Fennel. Very curious to see that because that movie is kind of dark. Let's talk about covers we can listen to. Here is a pop punk adjacent version by the Future Idiots. Pop punk goes Paris. Okay. Got a little bit of a third wave ska tilt to it. Yeah. I like that it gets chill right here. And now it's over. I'm headbanging. It's pretty solid. I consider that to be a success. They were dipping their toes into a few different pools there. They really turned up the heat there at the end and decided to just kind of mesh a bunch of different genres. That was pretty neat. This is the Bossa Nova version by Joanna Dua. Find your center. Take child's pose. <laughs> Very lovely. Mm-hmm. And then Florence, Italy. Yep, just watering the window planter. This is nice. This makes me want to like clean my room. Still feels weird to hear suicide get name dropped in this. Yeah, here it feels like more out of place than ever. Yeah. If it was in French, it would make more sense. I wish she was a little more like in pocket when it comes to the vocals. But still, quite good. Yeah, pretty lovely, I'd say. I'd give it a re-listen. What do we got next? Next up, we have the experimental atonal version by Adultery. Kidding. Strap in. 
I feel like there's something drilling into my head. It's a bad trip. They've kidnapped me. Yeah, I'm on too much drugs at the club right now. Something just dripped onto my shoulder. Maybe gives you an idea of what Paris's music career would have sounded like if she chose to take a more like Bjork-esque approach, maybe. Sure. Like, I could just picture her performing this, like, cradling a, a dead swan, wearing it like a scarf. Alright, I've kind of come around on it because it changes the perspective to that of an obsessive person. This is the version that soundtracks those night terrors that she allegedly has every night. Let's get out of the nightmares and go to the synthwave version by the Bedroom Witch. Thank God we found some fucking neon. Very chill. Very wave. I'm not loving the vocal performance. Vocals are definitely probably the weakest part. I like the production of it, but I just would not be able to listen to it because of those vocals. Yeah. Our next cover version is the bizarre electronic version by Magix. This sounds almost exactly like the last one. Whoa, no it doesn't. Oh yeah, he's singing it faster. And it sounds like manic? A little bit. What's the effect that's happening under his voice? The weird little squeaky chipmunk reverb thing? That makes it a very stressful listening experience. (laughs) The audience is divided. Three likes, four dislikes. this alike i like this i i like how they broke up the phrasing there i feel like he could stand and slow it down a little bit just like in the devo episode where i appreciate the mania but i don't know if i like it i I do just (laughs) appreciate that someone decided to cover paris hilton like this And speaking of people covering Paris Hilton, Trevor, you and I did something very unusual for this episode, didn't we? Yeah, this was pretty fun, I thought. I got one of these songs, not the single, one of the album cuts, stuck in my head so bad that I resorted to 
picking up the old six string, the old guitar, and bashing out a little cover of it. I don't frequently take to music, but sometimes I do, and this was one of those times. And I ended up, as a result of this, I ended up challenging you, Maxton, to record your own cover oh my God. of a deep cut from this Paris Hilton album, which you didn't technically do, but you did something. I did do something, and you did something too, so let's listen to your something. I covered that first song that we listened to way back earlier in the episode, the one we listened to the demo of, Screwed. I thought that was a real good track. I love a good little, like, you know, poppy guitar tune, you know, and that's one of the best poppy guitar tunes on the record, I would say. From the skeleton of a discarded guitar album to Trevor Ickrath's heart, and subsequently to your ears, here is... Trevor Ickrath, a distaste for math, screwed. I will accept my Grammy now. I enjoyed that so fucking much. Can I give you my visual? Please. Yes. I'm going to give you my visual. This is an opening credits song. To what? Mid-twenties girl, a little harried, trying to get it together, bopping around her apartment in the morning, eating one spoonful of a whole bowl of cereal. Love it. That's the vibe. I definitely have a harried mid-twenty-something-year-old girl bopping around her apartment deep inside of me somewhere. (laughs) You did it, Trev. You got her. I thought that that cover was so lovely that I decided to take you up up on your offer to a fault there was a less deep cut that i was interested in doing a version of so let me play that for you here is my cover the infinite freefall version of stars are blind by paris hilton Spending some time just hanging here with you Cause I don't find too many guys That treat me like you do Those other guys that wanna take me for a ride But when I walk they're talking suicide Beyond this stupid pride But you can see the real me inside And I'm satisfied Oh no Oh Even though the 
gods are crazy Even though the stars are blind If you show me real love, baby I'll show you mine I can make it nice and naughty Be the devil and the angel too Got a heart and soul and body Let's see what this love can do Maybe I'm perfect for you Ooh, ooh, ooh. Definitely would not have been out of place on one of the more bummer-filled moments of that documentary. Very nice, Maxton. I really enjoyed the option up on the chorus. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I didn't spend as much time on mine as Trevor did on his. It wasn't produced or anything. That was a voice memo recording uh, that I made on the little shitty 104-year-old piano I have in my living room. I spent almost two whole hours on mine. I spent almost two whole minutes on mine. (laughs) Trevor, I I thought you had a great cover. Thank you for sharing yours with us. I loved yours too. This is definitely something we got to do again on the show sometime. At the very least, I want to keep listening to every album that the hit emerges from for as long as we can. And if you want to hear either of those versions of those Paris covers again, I made a new link so that you can do just that. Go to owow.link slash extras. You can hear that. You can listen to our interview on Play It By Year with Duff Dixon that we did last month. And you could see some of our other ephemeral oddities. We have some attributes to do. Mary, why don't you explain to the listeners what the attributes section of the show is? At the end of every episode, Maxton and Trevor and occasionally the most beautiful guest in the world. What? Uh, <laughs> break down attributes of the song and they rate them on their own scale. It's got to be the same scale per episode. It's got to be the same Same scale per episode. That's the most important part. Scale per episode. (laughs) Trevor, why don't you share your attributes first? Because you told me they were bad. Don't remember telling you any such thing. I put a lot of hard work and effort into my attributes. I definitely didn't pick the first thing that came to mind. Why don't you get up and share that with the class? Everybody knows. And if you don't, where have you fucking been? That Paris Hilton <laughs> has this classic catchphrase. I believe she spawned it on way back on The Simple Life of Zach and Cody, where if, she, if something met her approval, if she was fond of something, she would say, guys, that's hot. That's hot. That's hot. That's hot. So I decided to pick a different element of this song and decide whether it's hot or not. <laughs> You ready for this? First off, we got the song's left field reggae sensibilities. Because, you know, I would have never expected like a Paris Hilton pop song to be this little like reggae for no reason number. I'm going to say that those are hot. Mm -hmm. Very sexy. However, that moment halfway through the first verse, which we've already talked about, where Paris abruptly references the concept of suicide, (laughs) of, of taking your own life, of just fucking ending things. Not very hot at all. Okay, not sexy. My next attribute touches on something I don't think we talked too much about, which is the polytheistic belief system on display in the chorus. Oh, sure. We haven't talked about this. It's not even if God is crazy. It's even if the gods are crazy, which I think has a cool little pagan air to it, which I'm quite fond of. And I think it's interesting to see it pop up. Does it reference the movie? Is that what it's about? I what movie? What movie? There's a movie called The Gods Must Be Crazy. 
I don't know. Maybe Paris Hilton is out here pulling these deep film references. It's about like a tribe in Africa finding a glass Coca-Cola bottle and trying to understand what it means. Sounds like some shit Paris Hilton would be into. For all we know, that's Paris Hilton's favorite film. I'm just going to run with it. And I'm going to give that polytheistic belief system in the chorus. I'm going to say that's hot. I do want to interrupt you and mention that until I pulled up the lyrics to cover this song, I thought the lyrics was, even though the guys are crazy, I will admit that. It's God's. It's always been God's. Paris Hilton is out here on her stone altar just like making blood sacrifices. I hope I don't get smite by Paris Hilton. Smited? Smote? So my last attribute, that's the fact that Paris Hilton wasn't able to use a career in music to save herself from an empty life imprisoned by her own fame. Mm. Sucks. Obviously, that's not very hot at all. No. Ice cold. Ice, ice, baby. Great attributes, Trevor. Thanks. You always deliver and you always work hard. And I always have a very different topic from you for my attributes. My attributes also relate to Paris Hilton's proclivity to mention that things are hot. Yeah, she doesn't have like a sliding scale. She's not like, that's warm. What she often neglects to mention is how hot they are. So that is what I'm going to be doing today. I will be rating different elements of the song on how hot in Fahrenheit they are. Let's begin. The songs Discount Gwen Stefani Charm, 175 degrees. Whoa. It's enough to eat. You got to bump those degrees up if we're going to start cooking now. Listen, don't you worry, because Paris starts cooking with oil. That little post-chorus, baby, I'm perfect for you section that repeats those last two notes of the chorus. There's something about that compositional trick that is so tasty to my brain. It is like one of my favorite things about it. That is the catchiest part of the song, mm -hmm. I believe. Baby, I'm perfect for you. That's the catchiest line. That's a nice and bubbling 325 degrees. All right. Now we can cook things. Yeah, you can make some cookies with that what's hotter honestly maybe my favorite thing about the song that thing that you said was not hot the sudden and direct mention to the concept of suicide in the lyric i know that it's paris not reading the room but i appreciate her commitment to that so much I weirdly like that memento mori in the middle of this song for some reason. It makes the pantheism cooler. Secretly, I think it's one of the biggest things the song has going for it. I am going to give that a whopping burning down the house broil. Whoa. I think if there is one thing we figured out, Paris Hilton's entire life is based on this interesting intersection of being bubbly and fun on the outside while also having a kind of darker current boiling below the center. Mm -hmm. And so the suicide line really does feel like it needs to be there, like to really represent the true Paris Hilton experience, doesn't it? The duality of Paris Hilton. Yes. And now, as I have promised, we've saved the guest for last. Mary, your attributes i am so excited to hear them my attributes are based on the visual acuity of the stars oh ho, 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 excellent what does that mean how well the stars can see gotcha on this scale blind is the best okay oh that's so smart horror the stars can see the better the attribute for me the chill reggae beat blind love it nice one of my favorite things about the song for sure the chorus. That just makes me feel good. It does! That's bifocals. It's pretty bad. You need two kinds of glasses. 
I could go back to it. I'm glad she says it so many times in a song. My next attribute, the disconnect between the verse and the chorus. <laughs> that's readers. Because truly, the verses mean nothing to me. I have, a, I have an excellent head for lyrics. I will memorize any song very quickly. I, other than the word suicide, could not tell you the verses of this song, but the chorus is there. The disconnect there is readers for me. That's wonderful and also like really exemplifies how much pop music is a chorus game. I really like the verses actually. I like how they're kind of, they start stretched out, but then she starts cramming in the words. Like yeah. you start out with like, I could be your conf, And then like by the middle of it, she's like, da 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 Like a lot more syllables cramming right. in there. I think that's interesting. Yeah, I, I do like her use of the word confidant. It's good. And definitely when I'm paying attention, I can catch it. That really slips under the radar, doesn't it? If I'm not paying attention, I can't sing along to it. I don't have the words. The verses don't stick with me. It's definitely not as memorable as the choruses. That's why it's readers. You can see better than the bifocals, but still you need to hold your phone at a certain distance from your face. Uh, I will say that we did not address it in the episode, but there is an allegation that the chill reggae beat that we love so much was actually lifted from another song called Kingston Town. Oh, interesting. Are you shitting me? I missed this? Yeah, I think you did. I wasn't sure if you just skipped over it. Max, you put together 13 pages of notes and you didn't get this. Mary scooped me. Wait, what is this? We need to listen to this. There's a song called Kingston Town. What? And it has the exact same progression, and it sounds exactly the same as the beginning of this song. Mary, do you want a job? To be fair, a lot of reggae songs are like classically based on the same like 10 or 12. They're called rhythms. rhythms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they settled out of court, so there was something going on there. The allegation that was settled out of court about stealing the chill reggae beat that I love so much, that was the 2020. So perfect vision. The the stars the stars can see really, really well. They can see that this is a ripoff of another song. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The stars have opened their eyes to see that there was some chicanery afoot. Let me detail this real quick. The lawsuit alleged is that Stars Are Blind only garnered a lot of attention because it sounded similar to the UB40 cover of Lord Creator's Kingston Town. I'm going to needle drop a little bit of that here because I can't believe that we haven't talked about this. See for yourself if you think that UB40's cover of this Lord Creator song, Kingston Town, sounds enough like Stars Are Blind to warrant legal action. Dude in UB40 says it was almost comical. I don't know who sued her. It wasn't us. But he also said it really was a total lift. When I heard it, I said what almost everybody does. Wow, that's more or less Kingston Town all the way through. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. All right, well, let's listen. Oh my uh, god, it's exactly the same. Uh, <laughs> Dropping the bomb in the attributes. Oh. Uh, <laughs> It's exactly the same. It's one to one. I'm interested in getting to the chorus. It's even got the word stars in it. (laughs) This is blatant. There is man. 
can't believe this. Why is this different? Place I long to be. And not as good. If I had your word, I would give it away just to see. Okay, these songwriters gave this song a facelift because this song does not have a chorus. That's a victory for the plagiarists right there. They fixed that. I'm really into the concept of like being one of these three or four songwriters who worked on this song and just floated <laughs> a clear ripoff to Paris Hilton and like got paid and cashed out. You know, like good for those dudes. They're the real heroes of this story. They really are uh, the most hot guys in the room. The hottest guys in the room. I have one more attribute, which is... What gets clearer than 2020 vision? The fact that uh, Paris Hilton will never have her moment of interest and overcome the blindness of generational wealth, I give that a LASIK surgery. Oh, good one. I was expecting x-ray vision. X-ray vision's good. I went for things that are attainable. Thanks for listening to One Hit Wonders of the World. You can find us on Twitter, where our handle is at One Hit Wondercast, with the numeral one out front. You can reach out to our email with impassioned letters, audio recordings, death threats. Someone sent me a death threat on Letterboxd today because I gave Goodfellas one star. If you want to send me a death threat, that's One to Hit Wonders. he didn't threaten to kill you. He threatened to fuck you. That's right. I he was did. an interesting choice. He said... I will find you and I will fuck you. If you would like to find me and or fuck me, please reach out at onehitwondercast at gmail.com, all spelled out, for a chance to be featured on the show um, unless you are interested in fucking or murdering me. And if you would like to find or fuck me, I would ask <laughs> you to reconsider. I really want to thank our guest, Mary Hansen. Nope. Uh, that's not your name. Nope. That's the name of the Stereolab person who died. I <laughs> uh, really want I really want to thank I'm not gonna I'm not gonna laugh because this isn't funny Uh, I really want to thank Mary Schneider for coming because you allowed Trevor to feel more comfortable on his podcast you know you're not a weird kooky time traveler to be fair I don't think that last guy was actually a time traveler either what I think him and Mary probably have similar time traveling experiences I have my suspicions about him Yeah. Anyway, you definitely won't be uncomfortable about the guest on the next episode, Trevor, which is going to be... Ooh, tell me. MacArthur Park? For Richard Harris? No, I'm not doing this needle drop. I'm doing this needle drop. MacArthur Park by Richard Harris, the actor who played Dumbledore. It's going to be a magical episode for sure. Who's going to be the guest on this one? Someone that you know very well. Maybe a little too well. We'll find out what that's like next month, our first episode of 2021. Until then, I've been Maxton Stenstrom. I've been Trevor Ickrath. And I've been Mary Schneider. And until next time, stay wonderful. wonderful. wonderful.